Welcome to the show, Be Convinced, where I share life-changing stories of hope with you so that you can get a big dose of hope in just 30 minutes. I'm your host, Soraya Diasi-Kofeld. I'm an Ivy League-educated lawyer, former judge, small business owner, children's author, wife, and mother who's passionate about helping to improve your life and convincing you that there is indeed hope for a better future for ourselves and our children. Because of my diverse education and life experiences, I'm able to bring to you a wide variety of guests, from millennials to senior citizens, all of whom share their passionate, life-changing stories of hope to inspire and motivate you. Each story is told by ordinary people, just like you and me, who went through different challenges in their lives and have been able to overcome them. Mother Teresa once said that one person alone cannot change the world, but one person can cast a stone across the water to create many ripples. I would like my podcast to do just that, create many ripples through many lives, including yours, as we hope for and achieve better. Please take a moment to follow my podcast on Apple or Spotify or your favorite podcast service and leave a rating and review. This is episode number 50. My guest is Tamika Michelle Johnson, an attorney and highly sought after female empowerment speaker for women near or over 40 years old, as well as a fertility consultant. Michelle, as she likes to be called, shares her personal story of hope, which centers on how she went from being successful and single to marvelous and married and pregnant, all at the age of 40 and after. Her passion is to empower women to not just settle for the ordinary in our lives, but to continue striving to think and redefine our lives after 40 in both love and relationships. Her websites, happilyeverafter40.com, pregnancyafter40.com, and tamikamichellejohnson.com are very popular and provide much helpful information. You will be profoundly encouraged by her story. Please stay tuned. My passion has always been to spread the love of books and promote the importance of literacy in a child's life. My passion inspired me to write a series of five faith-based children's books about our favorite holidays from a Christian's perspective, Easter, Fourth of July, Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas. My books are filled with colorful illustrations and lots of humor because children love to laugh. All proceeds from book sales go to the nonprofit foundation as the Stars of the Sky Foundation to help promote literacy. To purchase my books, please visit asastarsofthesky.org or your favorite online bookseller. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Be Convinced, where we share life-changing stories of hope. And I'm really excited about today's guest, Tamika Michelle Johnson, who is going to be talking to us to empower women and to give us hope that after the age of 40, you can still find love and you can still have children, be successful. But we'll hear from Tamika in a few minutes. I like to start off with a quote, and this quote is from Mandy Hale, who's an American author. And the quote is, hope for love, pray for love, wish for love, dream for love, but don't put your life on hold waiting for love. And that's the important message that we're going to be talking about with her today. So welcome. I mentioned your name, Tamika, but it's really Tamika Michelle Johnson, and you prefer to go by Michelle. So for the rest of the show, I will refer to you as Michelle. So welcome, Michelle. 
Thank you so much for having me, Sarai. I'm so excited to be here today. Yes. And we're going to be talking about what your past has been. You're going to bring a lot of hope to our listening audience because of all that you've gone through and how you've overcome significant challenges and what you're doing now. So tell us, Michelle, I'll just open it up to you to tell us about your background. Sure. So I'm going to start from the beginning really quick. So as a teenager, there were three basic things that I wanted out of life. It was to be a lawyer, to get married and to have children. And in that order, but life did not happen to me in that order. (laughs) And so I have learned so many things from that. So just based on just some actions that I took or maybe some inactions that I didn't take, my life had a different journey. And it's a similar journey that so many other women have, especially successful women that they have. And so I just wanted to kind of share that one and then to encourage women who are in a similar situation, how to get out of that. So I think that's so important. I'm an attorney too. It's so-called successful. So I know we go through a lot of challenges and I'm just looking forward to what you have to share. Please continue. (laughs) Absolutely. Sure. So in my twenties, after my first year of law school, so I was like, okay, step one, be a lawyer, went to law school, right? (laughs) After my first year of law school, though, I ended up getting pregnant with my daughter, And basically, unfortunately, I ended up being a single parent basically from birth. While her dad was around, we just ended up not being together. And so just that in and of itself was challenging. So, you know, after my daughter was born, probably about six weeks old, five weeks old, should I say, I was like, okay, I'm not going to let this stop me from pursuing my dreams, of course. So five weeks, I returned back to law school. And at six weeks, I was back working full time at a law firm, not as an attorney, but as an assistant. And it was really, really hard. It was like a blur for the first year of of her life, should I say. At the end of that first year, I was like, okay, something's got to give. Either I'm going to pursue law school full-time or I'm going to pursue work full-time. Well, I wasn't, you know, excited about the work that I was doing because I was not doing what I wanted to do. So I quit the job and went to law school full-time and, you know, ended up doing that, you know, took two more years, came back, I left, I'm originally from, not originally from, but I lived in Georgia. And so I went to law school in Louisiana, came back to Atlanta, and shortly after took the bar, passed the bar. So I'm there and I'm like, okay, well, I'm getting it together. (laughs) I feel like I'm in a good place. I feel like I'm a good person, but I'm missing something. Like, I feel like, okay, I'm still, I still have two other things, two other check marks, right? I have the marriage and the kids, but I knew I did not want to be a single parent again. That just was not an option. And so, so many people at that time would say, you know, why are you single? How are you single? You know, you're smart, you're attractive, you're witty, you're funny, all these other things. And I would say, yeah, like, why am I single? And I didn't understand it either. Yes. (laughs) And I tell women that, you know, I had this transformation in my late 20s. And a transformation was, and I told you this before when we originally connected, that I realized I was not emotionally connecting when it came to relationships. And this is with men. Yes, with men. men. Yeah. And so I can share that story as well if you want me to do that. So this goes back to when I was, we all have kind of like trauma or things that affect us in relationships that we don't even know about, right? So when I was a teenager in high school, my dad used to drive me to school and he used to have those talks. And, you know, we don't want to hear lectures, talk anything (laughs) from our parents at that age, but, you know, we listen, right? Even though we don't respond or we may have attitude, like 16 year old attitude, but he would say things like, 
So women are emotional and men are logical. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's just the way it is. And it's just the way that he said it. Like I interpreted that to mean that having emotions was a bad thing because my father was super, super smart. Everyone knew it and he was a little cocky with it. But, (laughs) yes, you know, I took that as a bad thing. And so just hearing that repeatedly over and over and over again, I subconsciously, I processed that again as emotions being negative. And so I suppressed my emotions. Yes. And so in my dealings, even in the friendships, friendships, even with people at the workplace and just in personal love relationships, those emotions were suppressed. Like I had like surface relationships with people, but they weren't deep and emotionally connected. Yes. And And what I love about that story is it's very similar with me because my father used to drive me to high school and he would be telling me, get your education. You want to be a lawyer? Go to law school. Don't let men distract you because they will try to distract you. A lot of men are no good. (laughs) So that's the message I got. And so tell us about what you were having to deal with as a result. You said the lack of really emotional connectedness with friends and especially with men. Right. So in my late 20s, after, you know, I finished law school, I just had like a transformation, part one of a transformation. Right. And I had to really figure out like why I wasn't really good in relationships because I dated and had a problem dating. It's just like the relationship part just was not working. And then I realized that I was not emotionally connecting with men. And so like mentally and emotionally, it was like having two men in a relationship. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. We are women. It doesn't mean that we can't be logical. Obviously, like you're an amazingly smart person, judge and lawyer. But, you know, we also have to embrace us being women and being emotional. Like that is a part of being in relationships. And as you progress, like, again, a lot of women who are successful in the workplace and they've dominated that, that takes on a different mentality. You have to put on a very strong front. You can't let things bother you. But you're used to doing that, but you can't take that same mentality and apply it to relationships because it doesn't work. The emotional component is working. So I had this. I went through that transformation in my late 20s and shortly, probably within, I don't know, less than a year, I ended up getting in a relationship because I'm like, okay, I have this knowledge. Now I know I'm just going to cry like a baby. (laughs) I'm just going to let it all out, right? The complete opposite now. (laughs) And so I ended up, I really did end up connecting with someone However, and I tell women this as well, when we go through this transformation, we stop at that, okay, what has stopped me from being in a relationship? And then the first person that we meet, we want to dump all this stuff that we've learned. Okay, I know what's happened and now I know what to do in a relationship. But it's usually not the right person (laughs) that we are dumping all this in and that we are trying all this out on. And that's what happened with me. So I met a guy who just got out of a 16-year relationship and marriage. And we connected, but I really, I was attracted to him. And there were certain characteristics that I liked um, about him. He had three kids at the time. I had my daughter, my daughter and his two youngest kids. They were about the same age, like two months apart. So I was like, okay, great. And what I saw was that he was, to me, a great father. He was a good father considering the circumstances. And a lot of times we as women, we, we confuse a person, a man being a great father with being a great partner. And that was not the case. So that was the case in my situation. I thought he was a great father. Um, and I thought, okay, I want more kids. I see how he is with his children. And I would like that for not only my daughter, but subsequent children as well. But hurt people hurt people, right? So he was in a situation like he just got out of this relationship. So he was hurt. And so it was actually a really unhealthy relationship. 
And I went through that relationship for 10 years. And what I watched, it is a long time and it's not unusual. I've seen it so many times. And I think that I thought, because at this point I'm an attorney, I'm making good money, you know, through that period of time, making like six figures. So I thought, okay, that's good. That's great. But again, I think we were fighting each other on two things. One, (laughs) I wanted more children. He did not. But the other thing was because I was successful and regardless of what I did in the past, I felt like I always succumbed. I succeeded in what I did. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to succeed in changing this person, this relationship (laughs) and getting him to see that I'm a good person. I'm a good candidate. I'm a good catch. And we are going to have kids. Like the same thing that we, that, (laughs) that hustle, that the mentality that you have that we're going to succeed. I tried to apply it to a relationship and it didn't work. And it doesn't work. And then you had mentioned also when we spoke before that you settled for a long time. You just accepted it and settled. I did because fear can be very paralyzing. The fear of the thought of being alone is really scary. And it stops us from leaving relationships that we, okay, we already know what the issues are here but I don't want to be alone. Like I could break up with this person, but it's very possible that I'll be alone. And so that is huge. Just the thought of being alone. And then I say, so in my mid thirties, I'm thinking, okay, I want more kids. And just like every other woman, like we hear 35, okay, like you're going to start to get buried. It's going to be really hard to have kids. And so that was scaring me as well. So I'm thinking, well, if I leave this relationship and if I meet someone else, it's going to be years down the line, I'm going to be close to 40. I'm not going to be able to have any kids. And so I'm like, okay, if I just take it out, if I could just convince him just a few more years (laughs) to have kids and all that, like things would be great. Again, it was an unhealthy relationship. There was cheating involved. There was the financial aspect where he wasn't contributing financially. And I was just kind of overlooking and just hoping that they would change. And they did it. I lost sleep. I was so stressed. I couldn't sleep. My back was hurting. I just, you know, I lost hair. And just over the years, just not having the trust it was just killing me on the inside. But I didn't want to feel like I was giving up because I was like, no, like I'm a winner. Like I'm going to, I'm going to be here. And so I stuck with it for a very long time, like a lot of women do. And the worst part about it is because I did have a daughter, there were a lot of makeups and breakups in that relationship. My daughter was exposed to all of that. That's true. And she shouldn't have been, right? And so we have to look at, if you do have children and you're dating, which is, you know, a horrible place to be in in the first place, but it is what it is. It happens, right? You need to be very, very conscious of what you're exposing your children to because girls will emulate what their mothers are doing and they start having the same types of relationships and boys will realize, okay, what does my mother tolerate? And that's how I'll treat other women. So I think we we think about it, but we don't really think about it. (laughs) You know, what what happened after you broke up with him? So at 39, (laughs) it was almost 10 years, like I said, you know, I finally had to choose me. I just did not feel right being in that relationship. I was like, I had to decide if if I don't go now, I'm going to be here forever and I won't be at peace. I just was not at peace with that relationship. And then for my daughter too. Certainly. But since, you know, I've apologized to my daughter through going through that because I saw at that point she was older, just the confidence issues that she was having. Like she wasn't in a stable home and that was my fault. And so, you know, I felt horrible about that. And, you know, she subsequently went to counseling for it, but I had to, you know, I had to own up to that. And apologize, but I finally had to choose me. And we broke up for the last time. Yes. <laughs> you never know when the last time is going to be the last time, but that was the last time. And 
maybe a month after that, I'm like going throughout my day and I have appointments and I'm driving and I almost ran over my now husband. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> he was coming out of a shopping plaza and he just kind of walked and I almost hit him. And I'm like looking at this guy like he's crazy. And then I looked and I was like, oh my gosh, Daryl. Daryl, I met years earlier. I met him when my daughter was like one. So back in 2003, right? And we had dated on and off, but we weren't ever in a relationship. We weren't exclusive at any point. When I would come back home during law school, we'd reconnect. Sometimes during my breakups, we'd reconnect, but then I ended up going back to my ex though. But we reconnected then. It would just happened, right? And so for the next six, seven, eight months, we just, again, we were dating casually. We were never intimate. Then I decided, okay, now I'm 40. <laughs> you know, we've known each other for a really long time, 14 years. Like, yes. like let's give this a try, right? And so we started dating exclusively. And so we were there and for about six months. So one of the first conversations we had, it was about children because now I'm 40, right? Yes. And you know, I asked him, he didn't have any children. He was 46 at the time. He didn't have any children. I asked him if he wanted children. And he said he did. And I was like, okay, well, I'm 40. (laughs) I don't know what my egg situation is looking like down here. Okay. (laughs) And, you know, and I told him, you know, again, I didn't want to be a single parent again. And that just was not going to happen. And so we decided basically that we won't prevent it from happening because I figured it'd be really hard for it to happen and we'll see what happens. So we did that. Referring to pregnancy? The pregnancy. I'm sorry. Yes. 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 So right now, so at this point we're in a relationship, we're in an exclusive relationship. I wasn't really pressing marriage at that point because I had just gotten out of the long-term relationship, but I did really like him and I thought he was a good guy. Yes. And I was like, you know, after a year, I'll revisit marriage. We're still together. We can kind of see what will happen. And so again, at 46, he didn't have any children. I thought in my head, I was like, he's probably sterile because I don't know any men who want to have children and can have children that don't have children at 46. I was thinking, okay, well, you know, I hear about the egg situation, but I had a children, so I know at least something's working with me. But six months later, I wasn't pregnant. And we were very, very active at that point. And I just thought something was wrong. And then I had another I guess, spiritual awakening is what I'll call it. Yes. Maybe six months later. Because I, again, I wasn't totally at peace and I just felt like something wasn't right. And just one morning I woke up and I just like started bawling. And I realized that I had not processed my previous relationship. When you are with a person 10 years, that is a long time. That person is just a part of you. When they're no longer there, it's still a loss. It's a loss as if, you know, someone, you know, passed in a way and you need to process that. You need to address it and you need to process it. And I think that's what happens with a lot of people. Like we think, oh, well, we're super strong. We can get over it. I don't need you. But you really do need to take the time to mourn it. And I didn't, but I realized it that day. So I'm a Christian. So I'm like praying and I'm like, my first prayer was like, God, like just help me to get my ex out of my spirit. And so I can heal so I can, yes. you know, move on. And my next prayer was show me how to be the woman that Daryl needs me to be, yes. to be his wife. And so I realized that that was a different prayer than what I was praying when I was with my ex. Yes. With my ex, I was like, God, just make him see that I'm a good person. Yes. <laughs> I'm a great person and change. And that's not the right prayer. Like you can't do anything about anyone else. You can only change you. And so from that moment, like I felt like I released my ex at that point. And my heart was open for Daryl, for my now husband. And I was just overcome with the 
greatest sense of peace that I've ever felt in my life. That's beautiful. Yes. And a month later, I was pregnant. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. And so I mentioned that because a lot of times, and we'll talk in a few minutes about it, but women who are trying to conceive, there's a lot of stress that we have in our bodies a lot of times. Mm -hmm. If you don't deal with that and release it appropriately, it can prevent you from conceiving. We didn't do anything different, (laughs) but it was just like letting all that go. I was able to conceive. And, you know, within that next month, we were actually married several months after that, had my son, you know, seven months after that. So my first yes. son over 40. Yes. So that's kind of my story. And um, then that's you had my another child. I did. Well. So I had my first son at 41. Yes. And I had my second son at 43. Both of them were natural pregnancies. They're both healthy. They're both, I don't even know if you can hear them now. They're downstairs with the nanny. but. <laughs> <laughs> They are very loud, but yeah. yeah, So, and the reason, you know, I talk about the pregnancy after 40 is because again, a lot of women in their thirties, starting in their mid thirties, they start panicking, like with children, husband and all that. And they start making really rash decisions. And so I am here to really tell women that don't do that. Like don't settle, right? It is totally possible to find love after 40, marriage after 40, and to have healthy babies after 40. Yes. Yes. And then on your website, I love what you have. You say happily ever after 40, rethinking and redefining your life after 40 in love and relationships. So that's really what you talk about. And you promote is the hope that 40 isn't the end, but it can be the beginning of many beautiful things. You know, 40 has been amazing for me. 40 has been way better and exciting for me (laughs) than before 40. You know, 20s, you're still just trying to make it. 30s, you're kind of like, you know, I'm halfway there. We're not completely there. But 40 for me, yeah, has been amazing. Marriage and children after 40. So um, I'm so happy for you. So you give a lot of hope to women who think as they're approaching 40, oh, You know, there's no hope in my getting pregnant or even pregnant again or meeting the man of my dreams. And you're Mm -hmm. actually, your husband helps you as well in your business. Right. So right when my first one was born at 41, I started a pregnancy after 40 group and community. And so now we're approaching about 8,000 members in that group. And so it's just amazing you know, all the women in there having babies over 40. And so, yeah, but when I was doing, when we were starting, my husband would be like, when I would talk about an issue that I was having or something I was going through, he's like, you know, you should write an article about that. You should write that down. And I'm like, okay. So I would write it down. And eventually we got a website together. Yeah. And so when we got the website, I had like maybe 10 different articles, eight, 10 different articles about my experience with pregnancy and over 40. And so my husband is a programmer a computer programmer. So he's into more of like SEO and Google and where you rank and all of that. So he writes one article, right? (laughs) And I'm like, okay, you write an article, you've never been pregnant before in your life, but okay, that's fine. The funny thing was that when we started ranking on Google, it was like his article that ranked. Yes. And I was a little, I was a little <laughs> jealous because I'm like, you've never been pregnant before. But he knew like the words to put in, like exactly. the SEO stuff to kind of rank and all that. So, but yeah, we worked together because I ended up starting the podcast. He's done a lot of recording when he was younger and he's the one that edits the podcast and gets everything together. So we definitely have a partnership in that. 
You know, it's and not something wonderful. that he would come up with. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But I literally and figuratively could not do it without him. Like I would not have had kids after 40 without him. <laughs> and I couldn't have put it together without yes. him. And so he yeah. Encouraged you, he encouraged you to write articles and you have many articles on your website that are really great for people to read. And you're a very good writer. I enjoyed reading them as well. And then you also, as I had mentioned earlier, you're a speaker. You're an empowerment speaker to women in this niche of near 40 or 40. And some of the topics you talk about are don't rush, don't settle, finding love, getting married and having a baby over 40. So, I mean, that's your testimony, really. That's my life. Yes. And then what are some of the other topics that you talk about? So we talk about just kind of being in... I did a podcast not so long ago about situationships, like and how to get out of situationships, which is something that I, I was in. And it's really harder to do than, you know, what we say to do, just like leave the relationship. And it's really hard. It is. Um, so we talk about, you know, how to identify if you're in a situationship, because we always want to say, oh, well, I'm not in that situation. Like my situation is just a little bit different. And I'm like, no, it's not. So yes. um, how do you define situations? situationships, though? How did you define it? So the situationships are, they're more than, it's more than dating. Two people are more than dating, but not quite an exclusive relationship, Hmm. but you don't have a true commitment with one another. And so usually there's one person who wants more in the relationship and there's one who does not, but you're in like this gray area. Like you may date, you may meet the family, you may not, you may travel together. So you're kind of like in this gray space where one person is not fully has acknowledged you as yes. a girlfriend, fiance, that kind of thing. And the yeah. other person was kind of looking for it. So that's, that's the situation. You're just like in a gray spot. You don't know what the commitment is. You don't know what your obligations are. You don't know what, you know, your responsibilities are. So it's just a really undefined gray area. Yes. And you encourage course. women to identify those and then talk to them to empower them to deal with them. Yes. And not just to settle and, for them. Right. And if I can, you know, I spent 10 years, almost 10 years in a relationship. You know, I don't want other women spending that kind of time. Like I tell people, I spent all my good baby making years. <laughs> That's right. That's right. In my 30s. And if I can prevent that, you know, if you can spend a year, maybe two at tops, you know, then I feel like I've done something because I don't want, you know, I don't want women going through the same path that I have. And I know so many women have and they do. So I try to prevent that. So in addition to your empowerment speaking, you do limited coaching and who do you do limited coaching with? So for women, there's two things. Like when I bring people on, I try to identify whether based on your upbringing and your history, do you need like counseling or do you do coaching? You know, I don't counsel people, but you should definitely seek a professional to deal with some issues that may be unresolved. If you kind of acknowledge those things already, and you're just kind of like, I'm just kind of like stuck. Like, how do I, again, my big thing is emotionally connecting with men. Those are the women that I take on. Again, women who are highly successful in their careers, their professions, and financially, and they pretty much have everything else. You know, I say you're like, you're a boss by day, but you're single in life. Yes. And you've been single for an extended period of time, but you're dating. You just don't understand like what's going on, why you're not connecting. So those are the women that I kind of take on. You have everything else, but it's just this piece that you just may need a nudge. And you need to kind of transform your approach to dating and relationships. Yes. And then you also work with women in regard to getting pregnant. So yes, I do fertility consulting. Yes. So now, you know, if you go to the website and if you are in that age, it's for anyone really at any age, but again, my focus is after 40. I have 50 fertility tips on the website, which you can access for free and just kind of look at those. But there's specific things that I did 
to naturally conceive the things that I've been doing for years, which aided in, in me being able to conceive naturally. What is your website? So the listening audience knows how to reach you. So you can access both websites, Pregnancy and Speaking at happilyeverafter40.com. So you can access the Pregnancy After 40 information and website and also the things that I do for speaking with women in coaching and dating and relationships. Yes. And you also have a website, TamikaMichelleJohnson.com. Yes. So right now, the Happily Ever After 40 and TamikaMichelleJohnson.com are together. So if you put one, they'll both send you to the same place. But yeah, so you can just kind of get all your information from either one of those. Yes. Wonderful. So you do the limited coaching with women, you do the fertility consulting, and then you do the speaking. And are you available for any women's group? Absolutely. Yeah. So this is a very like niche topic. So yeah, you know, and I found to an extent that a lot of women, again, if they're professional, successful women, they don't like to reach out. But I'm saying it's so vital to reach out to someone if you are not succeeding in a particular area in your life and not just relationships, but, you know, even if it's, you know, in business, usually, you know, so easy for us to invest in our careers and our education, but we don't like to invest in our personal lives because it's like almost admitting like failure or or something's wrong with you. And it's not, sometimes you just need that extra boost. And so, yeah, I mean, just go ahead and decide to invest in yourself. Yes. And And if a women's group is looking to have you as a speaker, can they just contact you through the website you mentioned? Yes. So there's a space in there. If you are interested, just kind of you can book a time and we will set up a time to talk to see if we're a fit and we'll go from there. Yes. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. You've been a wonderful guest and you've given us so much hope and inspiration on just all that you have accomplished in your life. You've overcome many challenges and now you're able to give women hope that 40 isn't a defining time. Our lives continue and just blossom. But again, thank you so much for sharing your story with us and have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you for having me. You as well. Thank you for joining me on my show, Be Convinced, as we share with you life-changing stories of hope. Please visit my Facebook page, Be Convinced VI, and like and follow me. I post weekly about upcoming radio shows and podcasts. Please also visit my website at sorayadiasikofelt.com, where you will be able to read more about me and access my podcasts, which are all designed to give you a big dose of hope in just 30 minutes. Let's contemplate on what the great Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once said. Use me, God. Show me how to take who I am, who I want to be, and what I can do, and use it for a greater purpose than myself.